0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Revamp Founder. In this episode, we have Alexandra Zatarin joining us. She's the co founder and the vice president of brand and marketing at 8 Sleep, which has truly positioned itself as one of the best sleep fitness companies in the world. Their products are used by people such as Elon Musk, Mark Zuckerberg, and professional athletes who are the best in the specific fields sleep is one of the most important things that has ever existed although there is little knowledge about why it is so but everyone in the world knows that it is very important in order to perform at a person's max Uh, and in order to spread a little awareness about that we talked about the importance of sleep in the founder's life and apart from that we talked a lot about what is a brand How can new and startups create a brand? Practical way of creating a brand. How do you define people who should know about your brand? And so much more practical stuff about brand building and marketing your your startup as a whole. This is an incredible episode. Do listen to it till the very end. Hey Alexandra, how are you? I hope you're doing well.
1: Yeah, I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. So, uh, I want
0: to, before we get into it, I want to ask, What are you guys building and what do you do at Eight Sleep and what what, what is it all about with the love for sleep?
1: Yeah, so, I mean, who doesn't love sleep, right? So I think I'm really lucky that I get to do something with sleep because I definitely love sleeping. Um, What do we do? So Eight Sleep is a health and wellness company focused on sleep fitness. We develop technology products to help people sleep better and uh, what I do, I'm one of the co-founders, and I also oversee our brand and marketing. So essentially, everything that you see about Date Sleep and what we say it, and how we say it and our partnerships and our customer acquisition and our web experience, that's what my team does. It's obviously not just me now doing it. Um, and why the love of sleep? Well, we have a pretty... Um, I think not a normal story for what founders encounter, which is basically trying to solve your own problems, right? Like all grams, that's where the best ideas come and trying to solve your own problems. So Mateo, who's my co-founder and also my husband, he had problems to sleep and that's where we started digging into it. It sort of was a combination of his own sleep struggles as he started becoming older. Like, you know, many of us, when you get into your 30s, your body changes and your life changes. And then combined with his past as an athlete, um, and just wanting to optimize his life. So the combination of that led him to look into how he could optimize his sleep. And here we are 10 years later.
0: That, uh, that's such an incredible point though. I I am very bad at sleep. Can you convince a person like me to sleep early?
1: It's a, it's a great question. I, I think I can, and. I think that most people, when they start really understanding what sleep does for our bodies and our minds, it switches, right? The idea of I'll sleep when I'm dead, it suddenly sounds really dumb. And that's kind of part of what I do at Eight Sleep, right? When we think about building the brand, it's not just about Eight Sleep, but it's how do we advocate for this lifestyle of sleep fitness? How do we get people to want to sleep more and sleep better? So there's a very interesting aspect of desirability. And I think one of the reasons why people like you, especially the younger people, they are the harder it is to convince them to sleep more all because it's easier to sleep and it feels like you don't need it as much. But the reality is, if I would tell you that you would die sooner of sleep deprivation than food deprivation, would probably realize that sleep is more important for you than food, right? It's that much more critical for the functioning of your body. So it's not just about how good you feel, how energized you feel, which is obviously great, um, but sometimes when you're younger, you can feel that difference. But it really is about just literally the functioning of our bodies as machines. It's like our, it's our battery. And so without the battery, it will very quickly start to deteriorate from the inside out. And the repercussions are going to be felt.
0: Yeah, that that that's thought-provoking. But what do you think is there are so many people who tell them punch of sleep right from the moment we are born, basically. But still people don't put that much effort into sleep. Much.
1: I think it's been a little bit cultural. Um, so I don't think it's that it's necessarily any individual's fault. It's just culturally how we grew up. Um, I think many of us grew up still with an image of um, people not making sleep a priority, and people who were, you know, prioritizing sleep sort of felt like being lazy. You know, we we grew up with the stories of the lawyers and the wealthy thinkers working incredible hours, even the startup founders in tech working really long days, and so. All of that just seeps into our mindset, right, of how the world should be lived and experienced. And again, those phrases like, I'll sleep when I'm dead, implies that when you're sleeping, those hours are waste and are of zero value. So there needs to be a shift in just understanding, particularly for people who want to make the most out of their lives, who want to get their fulfill their full potential, who want to be high performers, We all need to understand the role that sleep plays and how they're not wasted hours. They're actually really critical in how we're going to experience life in the hours that we are awake. And they are going to determine in great part the sharpness of our mind, the clarity of our thoughts, how we manage our emotions, all of these very important factors in our ability to perform at our best. And that is one of the things that we have seen at Eight Sleep because our products power so many incredible high performers, right? From people who they shared it publicly. So I can say, yeah. it, but Mark Zuckerberg to Elon Musk to Paul Graham, to, you know, post so These are people in tech, but then also athletes. I mean, we have over 40 Olympic medalists sleeping in our products. We have half the grade in Formula One drivers, right? So it's just, I think it's over 400 athletes or something like that. So it's just people across a lot of different sports, a lot of different disciplines and business as well who are at the top of their game and when you actually speak to them you realize they know this secret they are already using sleep as the best and the most effective performance enhancing drug so why are the rest of us in the world not realizing that it's almost like we just haven't been let in on the secret we're we're lagging behind they're the early adopters making the most of it and then there's the rest in the world just Not realizing that there's actually a pretty simple thing you can do, which is prioritize your sleep, get enough of it, get high quality, and you'll definitely feel like a superhuman.
0: But but, but what do you do about the wasted hours in general?
1: Well, they're not wasted hours, right? They do have a very important function for your body and your brain and your ideas and your emotions. So they're not wasted. That's part of you have to understand what they do for you. And the other part of it, which is something that at 8sleep we are really focused on is, we, you know, like anyone who's in technology, you do wonder, is there a different way for all of this to, to happen? Do we really need to be in bed for seven to nine hours every night? We, reality is we don't know. Maybe it will be possible. And that's one of the things we believe at 8sleep through technology that we'll be able to optimize your sleep to perfection, that maybe you get the same level of recovery you need. Right now, in eight hours, you could get it in six hours, and that's part of this journey of trying to use technology to do the most in the least amount of time. To do the most in the time that you do get today, because the reality is the average American is devoting six hours and forty minutes to sleep every night. So, you know there are trends in just how people are living. And we have two options. Either we force people to stay in bed for eight hours or we find ways to give them the most in the time they are making for sleep. And so we kind of have to meet somewhere in the middle.
0: Well I think think I'll drift here a little. So you guys built a brand around sleep. So a lot of people correlate good sleep, whether it's eight sleep or the product, the pod that you either built. So I'll ask a question. I don't know if this is offensive or not. I have no idea, but do you... And you as a person are not a biologist. So when you build a brand, how, why, how do you think, why do you think people believe what you say?
1: It's, it's actually, it's not offensive. I think it's like a great way to think about it from like first principles, right? It's what does it take to build a brand? Because ultimately, yeah. the brand is the collection of what others think you believe of the world, right? So it's a deep perception, And probably, potentially, if you have a more, if the public has more trust on you or has the perception that you are to be more trustworthy, you could think that it's easier to build a brand. Um, But I believe, and I think the world has proven to us, right, and all the most um, amazing and iconic brands in the world, that you don't require expertise, What you do need to understand are the basics of human psychology, because it it really is that game of perception. And so psychology is what comes in much more than logic. And you need to be able to appeal to that psychology. Now, that can sound a little machiavellic, like you're manipulating the world, but when done right, it can be done for such good. And I think that's one of the things I enjoy so much about doing this for Eight Sleep, that I always say nothing bad can come of me trying to sell people the idea of sleeping better and sleeping more, right? So it's like the dream job for a marketer. I get to sell you something that's going to be net positive for you. I'm not trying to sell you wasteful watch keys and, you know, more clothes and fancy cars and none of that. I'm trying to sell you something that's really going to be good for you. Uh, But for sure, building a brand can be done for for many things, right? Political careers are exercises of brand building. Um, Passing laws are exercises of brand building, right? It's all about telling stories and the perception that you're building in the other's mind of what you believe in the world and where you stand and where you want to take things.
0: Those are some incredible points, but what is a brand? You talked a lot about brand building, but what, what is a brand? Is it passing your ideology to the world? or may, building something on top of this, or what is it?
1: Hey, ultimately, a brand is what the public makes of it. it. A brand doesn't exist unless there's a clear perception of what that brand stands for. So You could probably distill it in the most simple way, in like a point of view. A brand is a point of view in the world. And unless that, that brand has a strong point of view, then it's probably going to be really hard for others to understand that there's anything there, you know, like if you're just like anyone else, then it's probably hard for someone to really tell you what that, what that brand is. Um, And so again, a brand can exist in business. So it's a a business doesn't necessarily always have a brand, right? Unless the public is able to interpret something of it. Your local dry cleaners could have a brand because if the neighborhood believes that that's the best dry cleaner with the best service and that is able to, really manage you know luxury clothes and do really high-end service that's that's part of their brand even if they're not intentionally trying to communicate something unintentionally those messages are passing through and their clients are interpreting that that's their point of view that they are the dry cleaner in the neighborhood that is willing to give the best service and break the most expensive clothes right so every one of us, as we're walking around the street, we're interacting with our friends, with our family, with our co-workers, you are your own personal brand, right? The world is interpreting something about you. And whether you're intentional about shaping that or unintentional and just completely naive to the fact that you're being interpreted by others, that brand is going to be built over the course of your life. So it's a point of view, I would say, in the most simple way.
0: So you talk about the dry cleaning, but so I think a lot of people take smaller examples. So I'll pick pick your brain on that. So what, what 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 do you think does the brand of a local dry cleaner separated from the brand that let's say Apple has created? Because Apple is more popular than your local dry cleaner, but local the local dry cleaner wishes that he was he or she was as popular as Apple. So what do you think differentiates?
1: I don't know if they wish that. You know, this is another thing that I often talk to founders about, which is because a brand is a point of view, it cannot be that we all have the same point of view in the world. Just as humans, we have different ideas of who we are, of what we want, of what we want the world to look like. So I'm not sure that the local dry cleaner wants to or needs to be like Apple. I'm not sure that 8 Sleep, even if we are in consumer electronics, even if we make health products and Apple makes the Apple Watch, we don't have to. We don't want to be like Apple. Now, there's things we'd want to emulate about Apple, right? The fact that they became iconic, the fact that they bring technology products that people understand into people's homes, that people love, that people aspire to have their products, that people are willing to pay a lot of money for their products, right? All of those things are maybe aspects of their brand or their product or their business strategy that we want to emulate. But as a brand per se, we have different principles. If you, Look at Apple, right? They they want to build the products for the people who are shaping the world. And they've had these principles for a while. And it translates into how they do their advertising, how they speak of their products, how they show the different functionalities of their products. Each Sleep is different. We are building the sleep fitness category. So even there, we're sort of playing in a different field. And we all need to be very careful of not doing brand in a way where you're copying and pasting. It really needs to come from your DNA, particularly from the founder, from the entrepreneur, from the leader of the company and say, who are we? What's our reason for existing? When do we believe the world looks like today? And instead, what do we want it to look like in this aspect, right? Sleep is not going to shape the world in terms of what the borders in Asia should look like. What do we know about that? You know, we don't, but we know about our space. We are experts in sleep. We are experts in what we believe the future of sleep should look like and we get a chance to play a role in shaping that in people's minds as well
0: that's that's such a good point yeah I, I think that is a good point the local dragon does not want to emulate Apple but yeah so you, you 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 talk you said that brand is what people think of you how do you define the target audience of who can define what your brand is and who cannot?
1: Yeah, no, it's actually a fantastic question because it it is a mistake we made at sleep at the beginning. So I always talk to when I talk to other founders, I tell them right how it's actually the number one thing I ask people about the brand is who's your customer, and it's the number one question I used to get way right back in the day, and I was completely unable to answer it. So I've understood that actually really critical because it's going to help you communicate. Um, and even sell your product, right? So it's not just about brand building, but like making revenue. You need to know who you're selling to. So I will describe to you how we think about this at Eight Sleep because, in our case, it's actually it was a really difficult question to answer because everyone in the world sleeps. So you could be thinking, well, my total addressable market is huge. Every human in the world. I want to yeah. sell Eight Sleep technology to everyone. And so, you know what happens with that? We would have built a very different brand because if I'm speaking to everyone, I probably wouldn't dare to tell everyone in the world, right? Imagine speaking to my grandmother, having I mean, to tell her that I'm building this crazy technology that one day will be able to give her like the same amount of sleep and less time. And it will also track her body and will also one day tell her she's getting sick or she'd be really scared and she'd be really put off by it. And so, You really need to identify what is your vision? Again, going back to the brand. What do you want in the world? What's your point of view where the world should be? Who are the right people to bring on board into this movement? That's the way we think about it. I think about building this brand as a movement. And so my initial audience, this customer that I'm trying to talk to, this brand audience I'm trying to speak to, is just like building a movement. Who's on board with me? Who wants to make this point of view that I have as a brand a reality? And let me speak to them first. And let me bring them on board as members of this movement, which obviously in a business also means customers, right? <laughs> if they become members of my movement, they should buy my products. And um, So that is when you start filtering and you say, well, in our case, what makes sense is first to look at people in the world who already understand the importance of sleep and they're already doing something about it. So they're making some level of investment on their sleep already. Why? Because I don't want to talk to people who I need to convince that sleep is important. That's too expensive for a startup, right? I'm not going to go and do public advocacy for sleep. Not right now. That may come in a few years. So let me find the people who already get it, right? And then from there, I'm going to start to find other filters, like you know maybe certain lifestyle factors, certain age factors, certain income levels, certain. Obviously, location if you only sell in a one country at the beginning and you start filtering and the idea is that you want to find a niche a community of people who have something in common amongst them and it could be a lifestyle, it could be a demographic, it could be a belief um, that you can speak to in the most cost-effective way possible. Bring them your message about what you believe of the world and what your brain stands for and all of these things and let them connect with you and come join your movement.
0: So there, uh, yeah, that, that's a good, that's a very good point. And I think a lot of people do face this when they are trying to decide the TAM at total industrial market. And like, the worst time is the whole world. That's very hard to reach. So it is a step-by-step process. So how do you go about building that step-by-step process in real life? So let's talk about eight sleep itself. So when you were starting out, when you guys started out, how did you go about building the brand in a step-by-step process instead of just going out old world?
1: So the first step is that first question you made me, right? What What is the brand? You've got to answer that for yourself. What is our point of view? What's your DNA? What is your reason for existing? All of those questions. you got to have that conversation with yourself as a founder, with your co-founders, with your early team members, right? you have early customers, you want to understand what's already been out there, what do people perceive. So a bit of a research but more than anything, you want to look inside of yourself as an entrepreneur. Why does this business exist? And there's no right or wrong answer. I think that's a a part we're going back to what I mentioned before. like You don't want to copy and paste. You don't want to just look at what other brands are doing in your category or adjacent categories and try to replicate that because you believe that that's going to give you success. That's not true. The more authentic you are to yourself, the stronger your point of view is, the higher chances of success you'll have. So spend the time to really craft that. That's step number one. And then, second, this is my way of thinking about it because I think about this as a movement. Then I think, okay, this is my point of view. Who's out there in the world that I can speak to and who's going to really connect with this message and this point of view that I have as a state? Who are they? Where are they? And you start mapping that out right you already have your message because you answered the first question now you find who are going to be the members of this movement that you're building and then the third step is okay let me just actually put together a plan on how i'm going to reach them that's where you start the marketing part right you do the brand building you have all these key pillars but then you have to go out there and you have to find these people you got to market to them where are they? Where do they exist? Where they live? Where do, where do they consume media? Where do they read? Who are the people influencing that in their decisions? Um, and you put that message out there. And I think a lot of companies forget about the, the, just the basics, the positioning of the brand. What's the brand? And who is it for? And what does it stand for? And what are the messages? And they rush into the advertising. They rush into, let's just go out there and make money as quickly as possible. And the the exercise of the brand pillars doesn't have to take months. It could take you three days. It could take you one day. So it doesn't have to be long in time. It just needs to be exhaustive in your thinking.
0: So I, I I'll go to the second step that you mentioned. So how do you like practically you? How do you figure out practically that which people you have to onboard on the movement? Quote unquote.
1: It's very similar to defining the point of view for your brand. There's no right or wrong answer. And for some companies, it maybe for most companies, it will take a process of iteration. And you may have to test, right? And you may have to learn a little bit more. So unless you understand that market really well, or that market is really clear, like if you're speaking, one of the most famous ones, like if you're speaking to women who are pregnant, very clear, Like if you're, building products for people going through pregnancy or for people, you know, women going through infertility or for people going through Alzheimer's, right? Like these sort you know, something that's just like a very specific condition. Um, then it may, if you're outside of, of those types of cases that you may need to iterate. And that means talking to potential customers, listening to what are their problems? How does your solution that you've built so far fit into their problem? Um, and I think that's part of being startup Really, you're trying to figure out who's the right fit. We went to the same way because, like I was mentioning, our team was so big, everyone in the world could sleep that in the very, very early months, like the very first months of the company existing before we launched on crowdfunding, we did a lot of that type of testing. And right? we wondered who is out there in the world as these groups that could potentially respond better to the message of this technology to help them sleep better. So it's a normal process that I think a lot of entrepreneurs are familiar with of testing your message and seeing who it resonates with but at some point you're gonna to have to make a decision so at some point there is gonna to have to be that gut call or that data-driven call or whatever you want but like you're someone's gonna to have to decide who you're gonna go for and then stick to that niche of customers for a long enough period of time until you saturate it and make the most out of it you bring them on once you're evangelist you have a really core group of customers who love your product and advocate for it and then you can start moving on into the next
0: course. So I'll ask a really need nice round question. So you talked about the pregnant women part. Uh, let's take that as an example. So let's say you identify them as your target market. How do you reach them? So how did you guys reach the first target market that you You don't go on the streets and talk to pregnant women. That's that's very awkward or weird.
1: You uh, probably have to. I think that is the thing. It's like you probably have to, right? Early on, i did sleep everyone that we could. We had an office. I wasn't really an office. It was an apartment in San Francisco, and uh, it was an apartment, and it was our office as well. And so we had a bed, and we had our prototypes, and anyone that we knew in the city, which we didn't know a lot of people, we would invite them to come over and just meet with us, and just come here. We'll show you what we're building, and then we would ask them so many questions about their sleep. Right? How do you sleep? What do you sleep with? Do you have trouble with temperature? What do you Right that is that part of the founder journey. These things don't just fall off the sky as gifts. You have to go out there. You have to talk to your customers. It's not enough to sit behind a computer and do their research. You're going to have to talk to them at some point in time. So if you are building for pregnant women and you have to talk to them, then you need to find a way to talk to them. <laughs> like Maybe that means Ill- infiltrating groups on Facebook and getting introductions from your friends and stopping women on the street and asking them if they'd be open for it, right? But it, it is the most precious research that you have is the information that you get from the real people who are using your products or who could potentially use your products. We still conduct a lot of research during 8Sleep. I'm usually still part of a lot of, if it's critical research, I'll be in those calls, I'll be doing those surveys. Like it's the the goals that, that will really keep everything running in your company, stay in touch with what the potential customer is thinking about you and wants from you.
0: What What is that... One question that you think every startup founder or person who are in the research space should ask to think if they have something solid or not?
1: It, there's a famous question, actually. I think actually YC Top What comedy talks about this, but it's like, how would you feel if this product didn't exist anymore? How would you feel if this, if I removed this feature from the product? Right? So it depends on what context you're asking it, but the most simple is, how would you feel if I removed the pod? Right. And for our customers who use it, if I were to tell them, like, how would you feel if the pod didn't exist anymore? That's what you want to hear. How would you feel? Right. What would be your level of disappointment? How mad would you be? Right. How much would your life suck if you had to sleep without the pod? That's the reaction that you want because you, you'd rather have 100 people who just love it and cannot live without it. And they will buy all the inventory possible to make sure that they have it for the rest of their lives. Rather than having a million people who would be totally okay with your product going out of business.
0: Yeah, that that that's a hard hitting question. I think uh, let's take another, another example. iCloud, iCloud. I don't know. This that's a pretty uh, middle middle brand. I mean, good brand. Uh, so people would make it a part of their monthly expenses and cutting it off of the expenses would be detrimental to how they function in the family. How do you create that type of brand, which basically becomes a part of the family?
1: So there's something that's important to balance here, which is, you can do all the work on the brand that you want, but ultimately you definitely need to have a great product. And so there are some things that we humans buy only in for the sole reason of brand. And you can think of many luxury goods, right? Why would you buy an expensive handbag versus a regular handbag if they're both made of nice leather, right? Why would you spend three, four times the price? Probably mostly brand. Um, instead, there are other categories of products that you buy because they serve a very specific function. And so the product still plays a very important role in many of the things that we do in technology. It's hard in technology to just sell something because of the brand. Now, brand can command a higher price because there's desir- there's a desirability aspect because ultimately people want to say that they own something, which is why luxury goods, why luxury goods, right? It's about what it says about you. It's not necessarily about the product yeah. itself. Uh, and so the thing happens with Apple, right? Why people pay more for Apple. Their products are great, but Android phones are great too. Samsung phones are great or Google pixel or whatnot. So, it's because people want Apple phones and it's about what they, the red says about them. So, um, but the product needs to be there, especially with technology, the product needs to be there and it needs to be great and solve a certain problem. Otherwise, with technology, people would just yeah, move on. Um, so that's one piece. And the, the brand will play the role in the desirability, but the brand will never build the daily habit. So, Going to your example of iCloud, I think the reason why that product becomes a sort of quote-unquote necessity in home is it's, it's serving a function that I'm probably interacting with on a repeated basis over a period of time. Meaning if my phones, I use, for example, Google Photos. I find it to be a great product. And the fact that it just on its own backs up my photos every day or every week. I don't even know, but they're there. They're always backed up. There's this thing that I used to have to do before, which is do these backups and like clean up and do all these, you know, iCloud just has, is more complex than what Google Photos built. Um, Now I don't have to do it. And there's this product that I pay for that just gets it done for me. An example uh, in, in this sort of the habit realm is you can think of any product that you use every day that since you start or almost every day, that since you started using it, you can't imagine your life without it. And so you can think of like a, an, an espresso machine. If you've had any of those espresso machines where all you do is you put the, the whole thing of the the coffee, right? The coffee pod and you make the coffee pretty quickly. Why would you ever go back unless you're a coffee snob to doing? over coffee or, you know, the mocha like the Italians do. No, the Nespresso machine is so much easier, so much more convenient. But if someone would have told you 15 years ago that you were going to pay hundreds of dollars or thousands of dollars for these Nespresso machines, you'd think they're crazy because there's already a way to do that. Instead, once you start using them, you love these products and you love these brands because of what they're doing for you in your life. And the same is what we see with sleep. So who would have thought that you would want to put that technology in your bed to manage your temperature and track your sleep? You're crazy. Why would I spend $2,000 for that? But once you do it, you realize you could never go back to sleeping without it. And that's the kind of product that you want. And that's the kind of brand you want to bet on. Because there's it's something that people are using every day. You're sleeping on that every day. And so it's going to be really hard to let go of it, you're not going to go back to sleeping like you're in the stone age. You're not going to go back to making coffee like you're in the stone age, right? You get used to this and that's setting a new level of expectation of how you want to live your life.
0: I, I think uh, what you guys have built at Eat sleep uh, I think I'm drifting away a little bit, but fair enough. What you guys have built at Eat sleep is uh, relatively... Big market and a crowded market a lot of people are doing not exactly the same thing but somewhere in the same area how do you build how do you build a brand that differentiates yourself from the other 200 or the 100 people who are doing the same how do you do that how did you guys do that
1: yeah it's a really crowded market in general sleep right but one of the things that we saw when we started building in this category is that there were no there was no company actually with our perspective in the market and mm-hmm. approaching in the way we're doing. It. This is just nothing to do with technology. It's just literally the fact that we are here to help people sleep better, and we measure our success in our ability to help you sleep better. Instead, what we saw at the time in the market, and it's probably still true today, other than Eight Sleep and maybe a handful of other companies, is there were mattress companies, right, that just give you comfort, and they just. All they care about is selling you mattresses. And I can tell you, they sell you BS. They sell you high marked up things with all these different models and they create hundreds and thousands of models because they got to give every retailer a different model. But they're all basically the same. like it, It's insane, right? But ultimately, the only thing they're giving you is comfort. And they don't care if you're sleeping better or not. And I can tell you, the mattress is to make that much of a difference. So the reality is they're not innovating on actually helping you sleep better, which proves they don't care about, you helping, about helping you sleep better. They just care about selling you something to sleep Second, it's companies that sell you pharmaceuticals, pills, not good for you, terrible for you, really bad for your health. So anything that you're know, taking, like prescription drugs, any of those things for sleep, they're not good for you. They don't care about you sleeping better. Otherwise, they would actually go and innovate and try to find solutions instead of giving you fake sleep. Fake sleep and actual bad side effects and like consequences for your health. So, none good. And then there were the trackers. And there still are a lot of trackers, a lot of wearables. And again, what do they give you? Data. That's it. Data's not going to solve your problems. So at the core, at the essence, no matter how good these products are, and many of the companies make tremendously good products, but they're not focused on helping you sleep better. And that's the opportunity that we saw, because that's what we care about because that was our own problem, right? So we believe we can use technology to help people sleep better. We're obsessed by that. And we started with temperature and then we said, well, will have and noise and how do we do light and like anything that's going to help you sleep better we want to solve all those problems we may fail but at least we're trying well no one else is actually trying and that is what makes our brain different so just you grab into that little hook you say well we're mission driven we're going to build our own category because no one actually thinks of sleepers we are so that's we're building the sleep fitness category we're going to go all in on this message of helping people sleep better and what that means and how we use technology and little by little that perception starts being shaped and into the market
0: so why do you think the people you mentioned that a lot of people actually know that pills and the mattresses that people are selling you I mean, we'll talk about pills specifically they're not good for your health why do people still take them I mean, if they're bad,
1: because people are desperate. Think about it, right? The problem of sleep deprivation, whether it's bad sleep or lack of enough sleep, is so big in the world. And sleep is so fundamental to how we operate and how we feel and how we live that we would try anything. So it's not the consumer's fault, right? This is a big need. We are in desperate need as humans to get a good night's sleep consistently. Not enough to get a good night's sleep once a month. You want to get a good night's sleep every night when you go to bed. Because maybe sometimes you're only giving yourself six hours to sleep. Imagine how miserable it is. You're giving yourself six hours, you don't sleep good, right? <laughs> or you're giving nine hours and you still sleep terribly. So we are desperate. And that's why we still do those things. And it will continue to happen. People will try whatever is marketed at them because we need it. And that's why it's so unfortunate that there's few companies actually building solutions. Because the need is really big. So imagine if we grabbed all those resources and actually did the right type of research to really understand the products that are needed to help people truly achieve better
0: Yeah, I mean, six hours is a lot. (laughs) I'm talking about myself, i mean six hours. Fair enough. Uh, So, you're talking about people trying things out, but how do you get people to try things out that they've never tried out?
1: I think it's a little bit of trust. We we're talking about this initially, right? One of your first questions was around trust and how do you build it when you may not have the credentials in the space. But there's many ways to build trust. I th- my favorite is for your product to build trust on its own meaning. Someone uses it, someone loves it, it works for them, and they talk about it, right? So that's the best way to build trust is have your product deliver meaningful impact and people will talk about it to one another. If you're lucky enough, they'll talk about it in public. So they'll go on social media and they'll tell the world. And if you're even luckier, they'll also have a big following and they'll be a well-known person. And so that's the best way. And I think that's the right and true way that companies, businesses, and careers have been building wealth since centuries, right? Find toward the influential people. Get the queen to wear your shoes. And that one sell
0: a lot of shoes. So it's always been, I think, the same tactics. I was recently uh, reading, I think Mark Zuckerberg, I think he posted about 8 Sleep that how it has in helped him in improving the sleep. So, uh, how do you think do you reach people who are relatively influential and have a massive following, like Musk, then Paul Graham, then Mark Zuckerberg? What compels them to use 8 Sleep? Because they don't. They, they are pretty good decision makers. So what do you think differentiates how they make decisions about certain products, apart from how the general public?
1: Makes it? Um, I don't think it differs too much because it goes back to just the psychology of us humans, right? So yeah. it's probably some type of problem we may be trying to solve. So, you know, you want to sleep better to one, in, in different degrees. some people, one of them may have more problems than other. It may be similar to what you and I experienced, We don't know, but there's some gap you're trying to fill in your life, and the problem you're trying to solve. And what is definitely true is the that's where the brand plays a role. Meaning, what's the message that this company is sending to these people, and how does this message resonate with them? Um, and and I think in this case, specifically or eight sleep there's that message that i've been describing right we have a certain point of view of the world do we believe that technology can help us sleep better we are spending our lives trying to do this and i think so far doing it pretty well and i'm sure to people like them that operate in the technology world that message is pretty compelling but to many other people it may not be yet and they may need a little bit more time to get used to this idea of using technology to get more deep sleep and sleep longer.
0: So you guys started out with a message. How do you think has that changed over time from when you started out? What was the message then and what is it now?
1: But it changed a lot. When we first started, uh, the message was math. I think that's what happens to most founders. Um you get lost in trying to sound like others or be like others because you think that that's what's going to make you successful. So we were definitely trapped in that same cycle. And that changed. So at some point, um, there's the, the moment when we completely clean up this messaging for the, from from the Eat Sleep brand and sort of relaunch it to the world. And since then, it stayed pretty consistent. So that was more than a half years ago. And that's part of the job that you have to do when you're working in your brand is maintaining consistent messaging and sticking to it because that's your DNA. And so it's like me saying, I'm not Mexican. Well, no, that's my DNA. That's what I am. So you can't, you need to stay consistent and you need to really own who you are and stay authentic. And through repetition, that message will become more and more powerful. When, uh,
0: when a lot of people think about certain products. So what you guys have built, a lot of people have thought about that. So they, or most of them try to go on the same route because because of the reason why you mentioned. They go, the, they go on the same route because they think it worked for them, it'll work for you. How do you think is it that go, it's because that it is the right route to go through that most people don't try out the different routes and when they do, they in the end, they have to come back to that one because they think that it will not work. out
1: No, know, the thing is that there's not one path for everyone. I think that's, that's a mistake, is people trying to do the same things that successful brands have done. So I'll give you an example. And this is actually an example that we went through. It's like at the time when we were going through this sort of, let's call it this, confusion of who we are right before this, you know, four years ago or so that we repositioned our brand, we were confused. And um, we were looking at a lot of what successful consumer brands were doing. And I remember looking at companies like Warby Parker and saying, well, they've managed to build a really successful, primarily online, you know, quirky and very, very, it had very clear point of view, right? A very clear character. I'm like, that's what we would want to build. But I cannot take the same principles and even the same path of how they went about building their brand because not even because we're not in eyewear, right? It doesn't almost doesn't even matter whether we're in the, in the same category or not. It's because we're just fundamentally different individuals behind these companies. And do we have different point of views on how the category should look? So I'm sure if I was starting an eyewear brand, I would do it differently than they would just because we're different people. And we probably want different things in how our sunglasses look and our eyewear looks, right? There's all these little details. And so you have to embrace that. You have to embrace your authenticity and what you want to see come true in the world and build that, regardless of your category, regardless of what worked for others. The principles that we talked about before are really few. And it's for a reason, because you shouldn't be following 20-step frameworks to get to your brand it's simple what do you believe in the world what do you want to be true and just then figure out who do you want to start talking to to build this movement to just get things started right like that little fire and then see it come come to reality and grow over time but
0: what do you think has uh, do people with such uh, like massive personal brands that create cults uh, uh, alongside them products of people in general what do you think does their uh, branding or how they market themselves differentiate from the regulars?
1: So I think you make the question, like what makes a good brand? And it's it's hard because it depends through which lens you're looking at it, right? Like you start getting into a philosophical question of like, what do you think is the role of brands in the world? Are brands here to just make us consume yeah. things? Are brands here to... Yeah shape our history I don't know like what are brands here for. Um, and so at least for me I believe that brands really because they exist in the realm of personal brands and governments and countries and you know corporations like brands and uh, brand building is an exercise to to be used for the larger good and the larger good is also the creation of wealth right uh, but ultimately creation of wealth in, in a positive in a net positive way for humans. Um, and I think the brands that manage to do both, um, achieve their, their goal in terms of, you know, whether they're a for-profit or a non-profit and then at the same time sort of shape humanity, like move us forward. I think mean, that's, that's great. Like, those are the brands to be respected. They don't have to be glossy and iconic like Apple. Um, they could exist in other realms and still make a ton of impact. Um, I think what those brands do differently is that they're able to connect with people. That is the key. Those are the brands that then build that larger impact. Because when you think about it, in order for you to make that impact that you want to make in the world, then you need, you need to reach as many people as possible. the 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 bigger your sphere of influence, the more impact that you'll 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 generate, right? And so. That I think that these brands manage to create that connection with more and more individuals, and their impact grows. And so ultimately, they are perceived as more impactful or important brands.
0: And do do also you create you create a great brand, but does a great brand become a great brand because of great marketing, or does great marketing build a great brand?
1: I think a brand, the, so the, the principles of a brand exist before the marketing. It's almost like you exist as an individual before you head out there in the public, right? So I do think that those fundamentals exist before and they require those marketing tactics in order to connect with others and to build that piece of that perception that is needed for the brand to actually exist in public, right? So the, the marketing is the connection that the brand does with the public. So they need each other because then great marketing can definitely make a, a that brand, that package of the brand bigger and more relevant and more trustworthy and more exciting and more desirable, right? Just per se, that brand package is not enough. You need to know how to work at it. You need to know how to play to the desires and the psychology of individuals, how to use it for that connection. Otherwise, it's not enough.
0: Yeah, like Nike. They uh, Nike does not market the shoes. They market the ideology, the movement that you're talking about. Go ahead, go ahead. Exactly. Yeah, I think... That, that was an incredible part. Now, I think I will we'll take a hard straw while we, you have you might have to go. So, as the last question, what is your number one advice or tip for early stage startup founders who are just starting with brand building for their company, not for a personal brand, but for the company?
1: Yeah, well, I think it would be very that thing up, I said, which is, because of what you are as an organization, every single company has and must have a really well shaped brand. Um, And you have it because you have a story. So why do you exist? Where do you want to be? What do you want to see the world be like if you are successful as as an organization? Answer those questions, figure out where your story is, figure out where your brand is, and don't be afraid to embrace that truth and communicate it consistently and constantly to the world. Um, And you'll see the magic of it. Like suddenly when people start repeating it back at you, we're really proud that your brand is taking shape in the people's eyes.
0: I think that's an incredible way to end it. And I think that's it from my side. Anything you'd like to say?
1: No, thank you so much for the conversation. I appreciate the chance to talk a lot about brand and marketing. So thank you so much.